Hello, lovely humans. I'm so, so excited to finally bring you my big kid interview with the lovely Karen Styles. The focus on the pod for this year has been all about habits and how we can shift from survival ones to thriving ones, because the habits we learn to survive will no longer serve us when it's time to thrive. Karen and I share a deep love for Gretchen Rubin and her framework named The Four Tendencies. When I started to understand the tendencies, it really opened my eyes and helped me find ways to create new habits and then to stop old, unwanted ones too. The Four Tendencies also helped me understand my partner in a new and loving way. Now I don't get mad, I just understand, and that's all we can ask for. Karen and I also talk about the tendency that we share and, again, the tendencies of our partners. I want to know if you can catch my wedding jitters during this episode. Because we recorded it months and months ago, it was definitely before the wedding, and it was just fun to listen to it again and hear my nervousness about the wedding. So let me know when you hear that part of the episode. As always, all of Karen's info will be linked in this week's show notes, as well as the quiz, so you can figure out which tendency you are as well. And then make sure you've let us know. I'm so curious. So friends, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, the lovely Miss Karen Stiles. Hi friends, welcome to the Big Kid Pod, where all are welcome. In this safe space, we talk about what scares us, what prepares us, and what makes us great. As big kids, we have learned the hard way that none of us really know what's going on, and we all have our own stories and journeys, and that's why it's always better together. I'm your host and guide, Christina, aka KDC. As a life coach, children's yoga instructor, and mindfulness ninja, I hope to inspire you to dive into your life with more kindness, more courage, and more adventure. You ready? Let's get into it. Hello, welcome to another Big Kid interview episode. Today, I am joined by fellow Calgarian, Karen Styles. Karen is a business communication and career coach who helps professionals get the words right for career and business. She helps her clients understand their value and communicate with confidence so they can do the work that they dream of. She fulfilled her entrepreneurial dream in 2019 when she launched her own coaching biz, Flow and Fire. As always, our guest info is linked in today's show notes on kdccoaching.com. So big kid shout out, Karen and I met at the end of last year at our local Rising Tide event. Karen's little style is what drew me in. No joke. I remember your necklace. (laughs) Don't even play. She had such and has such a warm smile and we bonded quickly over our cats and I knew that we would be friends. Karen and Karen was also one of the last humans I saw in real life outside of my own cohort before COVID was a thing. We had a lovely coffee chat <laughs> and it feels like so long ago. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Last and we had carrot cake, right? Oh my God, we did. <laughs> yep. And we talked more about our cats. Yes. We definitely <laughs> But also... Did. Yeah how changing habits really help change shift our lives. As we're both fans of Gretchen Rubin, when I found out she also runs a four tendency workshop, oh my God, I was smitten. (laughs) The book Better Than Before and the Four Tendencies was introduced to me around three years ago and it has really helped me level up and shift from survival habits to thriving ones. And so I'm excited to have Karen on the pod today to talk to us about that shift and what we can do when resisting change has been our only option. Mm. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is great. Thank you for agreeing. (laughs) Excuse me. All right. Well, like I said, I was introduced to Gretchen Rubin, who is the author and the creator of The Four Tendencies. And so I'm curious, when did you um, get introduced to her? Or did you find The Four Tendencies first? What came first for you? (laughs) 
chicken or the egg. Um, yep. Yeah, definitely. I heard, I think I first heard of Gretchen Rubin when she was like probably doing a media tour for the Happiness Project. And I heard her interviewed on like CBC or something and talking about happiness and why would someone even pursue happiness and why is that a good goal and kind of her experience of that. And so that's where I heard about it. And then I got the book and read it. You know, I don't think I ever actually finished that book, <laughs> which is funny, but, um, <laughs> no judgment. It's okay. Yes. It's something actually, something I've realized since then is that I do better with audio books, nonfiction. I can get through them on audio, whereas a fiction mm-hmm. book, I want it in a, like actual physical book. So that mm-hmm. one I didn't actually finish, um, which is kind of, it's funny that I just like remembered that now. Um, so that's where I heard of her. And then somehow, I don't know how better than before came into my life, but, um, I picked up the audiobook of that too. And that is where she kind of introduced and had the idea of the four tendencies and, um, you know, all kinds of habit stuff, how to, how to change habits. And, um, and it's it, like, it's a pretty compelling book too, just that it's, you don't have to be perfect, but there, you can, there are these little ways to be better than before. And so then once the four tendencies came out, because I was already familiar with it, I definitely wanted to, um, kind of know all about it. And um, so that one, I listened to the audio as well. And um, and then of course she started coming out with the quizzes and on her podcast, she talks about it. And um, and then I had heard, uh, I'm answering, I'm making this a very long answer, but at the beginning of this year, or at, at one point I had heard that she created a facilitation workshop. And so at the beginning of this year, I finally, um, invested in that and thought, you know, Hey, this could be something that would be really interesting to, to teach other people because a lot of my background is also in teaching and I love teaching and facilitating. And I thought it would be uh, a great way to, I don't know, help other people learn about this stuff because not everybody reads or like, it's not always compelling to say, Hey, read this book or like, (laughs) here's a personality profile thing that doesn't, it just doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Um, so I thought it would be an interesting way. And also I feel like there are not that many people that are super familiar with the four tendencies yet. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always been one to like do those online personality quizzes? Have you always (laughs) been like seeking that type of understanding? I, yeah, way back to like, you know, 17 magazine and YM and like the quizzes about, yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of those kinds of things, which were not even terribly helpful, but I always wanted to do them. Um, I definitely always liked those. And (laughs) well, I wanted to make sure that, um, people don't feel left out and feel like we're speaking a completely different language. Right. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like even with Myers-Briggs, like those are just letters. I don't even know what those means, right? Yeah, totally. Let's talk. Let's talk straight up about the four tendencies. I brought my book because um, I love how each chapter of the tendency um, starts off with a bunch of quotes. And then Mm, I also find it so interesting how Gretchen will also find like fictional characters yes. that are also of the type. So yeah. Um, yeah. I found that also so helpful for my own understanding. And so right. I'd love to talk about those. Which like, one do you want to start they? with? Yeah. What is Let's a tendency? Why? What is a tendency? Yeah. I think, and what the is- thing I like about the four tendencies, like, and it is, it's certainly not meant to replace any other personality framework. Um, there are some personality frameworks that are really expansive and intense. And like, for example, the Enneagram, you could probably like spend your whole life studying it. And some people have, um, <laughs> and the four tendencies is not like that. And that's not to say that it's better, but it is really nice to have a kind of concise and simple framework. Um, and the thing about the four tendencies is it's not about who you are in all of your life. Are you hearing the traffic in the background? I should close that. That's okay. Sorry, hopefully we can edit it out. <laughs> okay. No so 
um, the four tendencies really, they kind of describe one narrow aspect of our personality. And that is how we respond to expectations. Mm. Right. And, and we all have expectations in our life, right? We have inner expectations <laughs> and outer expectations. So we have um, inner expectations, like maybe wanting to exercise more or right. wanting to keep a new year's resolution, right? I have an idea and I want to do something different. That's an inner expectation. Mm -hmm. And then outer expectations, like um, someone needs us to pick up groceries or we need to um, be at a doctor's appointment at a specific time. So those mm -hmm. are outer expectations. So we have, I mean, we have to deal with inner and outer expectations in almost all areas of our lives, but basically the tendencies talk about how we deal with we could start with upholders like there's kind of if you look on the book there's four squares and the top one is upholder and so basically an upholder meets both inner and outer expectations maybe i'll just talk through all four so we get them okay. and then we can yep. go into the details if we want yeah, so yeah so an upholder kind of easily meets inner and outer expectations um and then um an obliger is someone who can easily meet outer expectations, but struggles to meet inner expectations. Mm. Um, and then from there, we have a questioner. And a questioner um, resists outer expectations and meets inner expectations. Um, essentially... <laughs> A questioner won't do anything unless it makes sense to them. So thereby, they have to, they have to meet their own inner expectation. And then rebels, uh, they resist outer and inner expectations alike. So I think that's also why I enjoy the four tendencies because yeah. Yeah. Um, like the names are so fitting for, again, what we're needing for that expectation. And yeah. I really believe that's why the four tendencies is so helpful with habit change because it's yeah. mm -hmm. all dealing with expectations. So yeah. again, if you do better with meeting inner or need that outer um, yeah. accountability, knowing that of yourself can also help elevate again, how you change your habit. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and there's like a big myth that like, uh, because I can do something, someone else should be able to. But that's not true because we're not all the same. Totally. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I kind of, I have a bit of a theory that some people who uh, can go and make a change in a habit, like kind of dramatically right away, those people are usually upholders. Mm. <laughs> and in fact, Gretchen Rubin is an upholder, right? Mm -hmm. And she was surprised to discover that she was, but like no one in her life was just, <laughs> was surprised. Yeah. So she tells a story about how she like, she read a book. I think it was something like why we get fat is maybe the title. And it was all about like sugar and she stopped eating sugar and flour. Like that's it. And basically has never done it again. Yeah. So that's kind of a classic upholder to be like, okay, I know. There we go. Done. Changed. Like no problem. Yeah. I love the quote in the book under this title because it's do what's right. Even when people call you uptight. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, that, that is totally an upholder. And, uh, the, and another motto for them is discipline is my freedom. Mm. Right. So where, mm. um, a rebel or a questioner might find some kind of rules very restrictive uh an upholder feels very comfortable yes with rules and structures i love that gretchen's example of the classic upholder yeah hermione granger from harry yes. Potter. <laughs> right because like when you say that again because she's a literal 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 nope literary thank you <laughs> she's not a literal character. yes and um, because like I've spent so much time in like that world, yeah. like knowing who she is as a character, I can understand. Right. An upholder without having been, um, so much of an upholder mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And we get that like 
Hermione follows the rules. She follows outer rules and she always wants to do the right thing. She has her own like ethics. So it, it's such a perfect example. We, and this is why I love the tendencies too. Cause you're like, oh yeah, I can get that, you know? Like Hermione will eagerly meet social rules and laws until they conflict with her own inner sense of justice. At yeah. which point she rejects them all. Like, yeah. yes, that is Hermione. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and uh, upholders are really reliable. Um, they're self-motivated. Um, if you have a kid that is an upholder, they probably do their homework and you don't have to remind them to do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So they have lots of, they have lots of strengths. And they also, because they can meet inner expectations, um, they are less likely to experience burnout because they have, you know, they have really good self-care. They're like, nope, mm. I need to go to bed at this time because I know that's good for me. Or I, you know, I go for my run every day and, and that feels good to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we did go through the strengths, right? They're of the upholder. They're, they're reliable. Yeah. They're, they're all, they're also very interested in rules and regulations. And interested. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah. they're the ones on the live streams, figuring out what's up with COVID every day. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Or I don't know, they would, you know, be very concerned about uh, where's the right place to park or like getting the perfect information to make sure they do the right thing according to the rules. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Self-directed, self-motivated. So weaknesses, any guesses about the weaknesses of an upholder? Um, I'm cheating because I have my book open. <laughs> But I think even like seeing it in um, the kids that always want to follow the rules, yeah. sometimes it's hard to them, hard for them to like play and just oh, to yeah. let loose and like yeah. this game doesn't have rules, like <laughs> or like the, this is all of your supplies and you get to make whatever you want. And they're like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as children, they might turn into tattletales too. Ooh, <laughs> yes, definitely. And also, and also that, like, not to label them, to, but to know rules are important to them, right? Mm -hmm. Doing the right thing is important. Um, but yeah, like they might hold on to rules unnecessarily. Like uh, if a manager rejects a report because it's late, even though the deadline is kind of arbitrary, you know, so an upholder type of supervisor might say, doesn't matter. You're late. Too bad. Hmm. Even if it doesn't matter. Um, they also can be a little bit unsympathetic to other people's need for accountability because they don't need it. Mm, okay. Right. So how um, would that show up? Well, I think partly because, <laughs> because we can be so like, and I'm not an upholder. So you look at someone who can like change a habit, like suddenly they've done something and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And there might be a tendency to be, Hey, when you go for a run, call me. So those of us who are not upholder might not upholders, we might want to piggyback on their strength in that area, but upholders don't necessarily want to hold other people accountable mm. because that's not their job. <laughs> and they don't understand why other people would need outer accountability because they can just do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe like if I am finding that I am an upholder, um, yeah. what are some things I can do for mm. habit change within this tendency? Um, well, I guess, sorry. I think upholders tangent. almost don't have problems picking up new habits. Okay. Like it's, it, it would be pretty rare. Like they might just think, you know what, I need to start exercising more. And then they do, mm -hmm. or they might get some outer information and learn about, I don't know, high intensity interval training now that gyms are starting to open. Uh, and they might mm -hmm. just take that up and be committed to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I remember reading as well that Gretchen was surprised to see that upholders were actually one of the smallest least. yeah least yeah. amount of upholders yeah which i found so surprising i thought most people um were upholders just like 
with reading it. And yeah. I don't know if it's just because I know a lot of rule followers, but even like getting them to do the quiz and stuff and finding that they're actually not upholders. <laughs> yeah, 19% are upholders. I just went back to the stats here. Yeah, she ran a, a study in, I can't remember, 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was a study uh, among a nationally representative sample in the U.S. And it found that 19% were upholders. So, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes upholders can seem really rigid. Or they might be the people that are like, well, this party is going strong, but I need to go to bed at 10 to get up for my run tomorrow. And so that's what I'm going to do. You know, they, sometimes they can seem inflexible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that can be a challenge. Is there maybe a question that we could ask ourselves um, to kind of figure out which tendency? Um, obviously, there's the quiz uh, that will be linked in the show notes. But as people mm-hmm. are listening, what's something yeah. that they could ask themselves? Um, a really easy one to think about is how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Mm, okay. Right? So in general, uh, an upholder will enjoy a New Year's resolution, will be able to keep a New Year's resolution, uh, but they will also make resolutions and changes at other times throughout the year. Um, cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, if it's, if it's oh. inefficient to wait, they'll just start, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Like, why wait for January 1st? Like, it's May. Right. Right. Yeah. I can start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> I like yeah. that. All right. Yeah. So which tendency would you like to visit next? Let's go to the questioners. Oh, yes. Oh, my, my favorite one. Different. Your favorite one? Why is I'm that? I'm just joking. <laughs> because, because I am a questioner. <laughs> I'm a questioner too. Okay. Oh, whoa. So, hello. So questioners resist outer expectations and meet inner expectations or in other words, um, to meet an expectation, they have to turn it into an inner expectation. Mm-hmm. So um, a questioner's strengths is that they're really inner directed. Um, a lot of times they're really interested in data and research. Ooh, I didn't realize um, that. <laughs> but I like guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they're, they're often really good at like systems and creating efficient ways to work as well. Um, and sometimes they're unwilling to accept authority without justification, which, you know, that can be both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically like questioners, as is obvious in the name, they're always asking questions about that, about things. So why should yep. I do that? You know? Yep. Um, and I think that's the perfect example of <laughs> not all of our kids are questioners, but it's definitely... <laughs> how we see that tendency show up in our kids. It's just a lot of why and telling a questioner kid, because I said, so will doesn't work. Puriate them. Yeah. 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 It's arbitrary. They, they really need the information, right? Yes. Um, and, and definitely like if you have, yeah, if you have a kid, if you have a coworker, you know, you might need to give them some information about why they need to do what they need to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like you were saying to know the facts is very helpful. Yeah. Um yeah. Sorry, hold on. Yeah, usually um, if I know why I should do something, then I'll do it. Right? But if it's like just do this, no. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, maybe also why going back to habits, why some people just power through. They're like let's just do this. I can't do that as a questioner. <laughs> it won't mm-hmm. work for me. Or it'll work mm-hmm. for a day and then I'm like, why do I do this? Do I care about this? What does it even matter? You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, also with our, thinking about our little kids, um, I like to call them our lawyers, our mm-hmm. lawyers that we have because yes. uh, we'll be really, really psyched to lead, like even if it's like their most favorite game in the world, they'll like find a rule loophole and be like, but what about this? And that's like, wait, let's just have fun. Stop. 
Like we don't, That's we great. don't have, we don't have, it's, it's okay. Like you're reading too, too far into things. I know that you yeah. need that reasoning, but yeah. also just, it's okay. <laughs> I love that you call them lawyers. That's really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the big weaknesses of questioners is that they suffer from analysis paralysis. Because oh, hell have, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> like so many questions about things and it's just it can absolutely be overwhelming so yeah so yeah. you've been there clearly and I've been there too yeah how has that shown up for you like even in business especially like as entrepreneurs, oh yeah yeah like what's the F. what's the right way to do this or how how do I know it's good or um yeah, even if how do I know it's looking, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the best um, scheduler for my? You know, it might be little things like that, but feeling mm. like you have to research a whole bunch of things. Um, yeah, like I said, it took me three years just to start the podcast because I thought I needed to have the right equipment and to know all of the things and. Yep to know all of the people, to interview, mm -hmm. to set it mm -hmm. up, to know all mm -hmm. of the technology. Yeah. And it kept me exactly like in paralysis for three years, not doing mm -hmm. anything, but ruminate and worry and stifle my voice and my ideas and yeah. exhausting. And do, you have some, do you have some strategies to work with that? Now as a questioner? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's yeah. Um, to go back to my why which is mm. um, always something that brings me back because I can get too up in my head yep. again, right? Like asking mm -hmm. all of these questions and then get anxiety in there and then just overthinking everything. And so it's mm -hmm. like, why am I doing this? Like, why do I feel like people need to hear these stories? Like, why did I start Mm -hmm. Where is that spark? And then, yeah. so sometimes this sounds silly, but I feel like I spend more time on my own feed than anybody else's. And okay. I'll go back and look at stuff that I've said, like in my moments of strength, when I believe in myself and I'm like, wait a second, that came out of me. <laughs> so I know that it lives in me and I can get there again. Oh. And so sometimes it's helpful for me to take my own advice. Right. Yeah. And then really um, just to pick one thing. Mm -hmm. Just pick one. Mm -hmm. Remember your why and then just do one thing, like micro movements. Just one thing is okay. It's kind of similar to one of the strategies that um, Gretchen suggests, which is the limits. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I can spend 20 minutes researching this, but I can't spend two weeks. Right. Or yes. if you're, you know, I can do this much, but I'm, I'm not going to do it forever till I find all the information. That's not the purpose. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes relying on an expert can really help. Mm -hmm. um, like if I'm buying a new bike, I don't need to know all about all the bikes in all the world. Maybe I can go to a specific bike shop that specializes. Or if I have a friend who is a bike expert, I will ask that person what to do and trust mm -hmm. them with their answers. And I do find like sometimes like leaning on experts for that is really helpful mm -hmm. um, because I start to get tired of the information overload of things and say, okay, who knows about this? Who can I ask? Totally. And be done. Yeah. Yeah. Because as questioners, right? Like how much time do we spend on Google asking <laughs> yeah. questions? Yeah. Right. And so sometimes like yeah, I'll be like, I'll find a new person or a new book or a new strategy. I'll be like, Ooh, this is shiny and new. Yeah. And then I'll just again, overload myself and then get pulled away again from what I feel like I should be focusing on. That's why when I'm yeah. re-looking at my stuff, it can remind me again of my why. Okay. That's interesting. And there might be other things coming into play there too, right? Like, totally. as, like we've talked about, I think you and I have talked about being multi-passionate people. Yeah. Right. And being interested in a lot of things. And so mm -hmm. like multi-passionate people dive into a subject and learn all the things and then get bored and then move on to something else. So <laughs> it, it's also like, um, 
sometimes it, you know, we're remembering that the tendency doesn't tell us everything all about our life. There might be other, totally. other things that are come into play, but when we're looking particularly at, at expectations, so. Mm-hmm. And um, I like, it's, I like how, she, um, just like with most of the personality quote unquote type things out there as well is that you are not one tendency solely right like there are yeah yeah upholder questioners which is where I think um no I lied no there are upholder questioners though (laughs) yes like some people might lean (laughs) yeah might lean a little bit more to it's it's kind of like if there's a question of an inner or an outer expectation and an upholder Mm -hmm. questioner might lean more towards the outer expectation totally yeah. And an, an upholder or sorry, a questioner rebel might lean more towards the inner expectation. So yeah, the, all Definitely. of, they all overlap with each other. So, which is helpful to mm-hmm. remember that like, it is not a box for you to fit right. in. It's just yeah. like a lens of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, how would questioners deal with New Year's resolution? Um, they don't like them because January is an arbitrary date. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like saying, do this because I said so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like they, they can make and keep new year's resolutions, but they object that like, and, uh, this was something that Gretchen found. You, I don't know if you remember this from the book where she said she was asking these people about asking a whole group of people about, uh, new year's resolutions. And a whole bunch of them said January 1st is an arbitrary date. And they used the word arbitrary. And it was like all of these people who had never met each other separately mm-hmm. were reading the same script. So that's a big thing for questioners. Like, no, it's arbitrary. Um, yeah. I... They also don't want to wait to start a resolution. Yeah. So I think that helps or sorry, it, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So as a questioner, how do you feel about being questioned? I hate it. Yes. <laughs> I hate it. I hate having to explain myself and I find it so annoying again. Of yeah. And why is it so annoying? I, f- I think like what you were saying with the upholders, how yeah. it can be hard for them to understand that people may need accountability yeah for me it's like it just makes sense like why do I have to talk you through this right but again it doesn't make sense for everybody (laughs) well the thing is like and with questioners we have if we have made a decision we have thought through all the questions exactly a ton of research Mm -hmm. so to be asked why we're doing something is so annoying because it's like don't you realize how much work I put into you know yeah like almost inferior it's like you don't trust my advice or like what I am saying it's like no 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 no. I've literally thought about this for days and even to bring this up like it wasn't just a flight of the (laughs) moment drop out of my mouth yeah yeah Yeah. no like the shit was planned on purpose yeah (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that like such an aha for myself. Um, just realizing like why I would get defensive. Yeah. Um, was yeah, exactly because of that. It's so funny and ironic. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I think, and the way that we can kind of get around that is, is like to tap in, you can tap into a questioner's knowledge right? And ask them and value their expertise for not like, so why did you do that? But, oh, I'm really interested about that decision you make. Can you explain it? And Mm. probably a questioner will give you a full-on speech or essay because there's a reason that they've Mm -hmm. made that choice. And and you and I know that, right? (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Mm. I really like how that you presented that too. Right. Well, and as questioners too, like maybe, and knowing that we get annoyed, it does help to go, okay, maybe I can just explain this because I do have a reason rather than having that instant reaction of like, why are you questioning me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like when Gretchen was figuring out her upholder self, um, realizing that her husband was also not the type of hers. um, Right having to, because he was a questioner, right? 
or is he an obliger? Now I don't remember. I think he's a questioner. Yeah, because she was saying that um, she knows, like, that they need to pack lunches and stuff for their daughter for the next day. And so she knows to ask him to pick up cheese before he comes home because he is out. Yeah. Right? Um, But if she were just to ask for him to get cheese before coming home, he would not (laughs) – he will not. Right. So instead, in order – to make sure that the task gets done, to preemptive tell him, yep. we need cheese because we yep. need to make lunches for this reason that is due tomorrow. Right. Right? Yep. So, like, answering all of those questions up top yeah. Yeah. to ensure that the request also gets fulfilled. Right. Yeah, and often questioners just, like, don't do something because it doesn't make sense to them, right? We need cheese. I'm like, well, why do we need cheese? I don't think we no, need we cheese, don't. so I'm just going to go home right? Exactly. Whereas, it, you know, if all of those reasons are there, yeah, like they need the, they need the, the reasons. So, yeah. Shall we move on to our obliger friends? Obliger friends, yeah. I love um, the quotes associated with obligers. Uh, yeah. One being, you can count on me and I'm counting on you to count on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell us more. Definitely- <laughs> yeah, so obligers, um, they easily respond to outer expectations, but really struggle to meet inner expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they are, interestingly enough, they are the biggest percentage. I think they're 41% wow. of the population or, of, you know, the study. So they're kind of like, obligers are kind of the, the backbone <laughs> of of society Society. (laughs) yeah and uh and they're the people that like always say yes when you ask for help Mm. um which and they're willing to go the extra mile and they really respond to accountability and all of that um which can be great but can also be a challenge for them um obligers are much more susceptible to overwork and burnout because they just want to say yes that makes sense. Do whatever is asked of them. And um, then putting themselves last. Yeah. And then can feel mm. resentful about mm. that. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's interesting um, because we might label, like, for example, if you have an upholder and obliger side by side, mm-hmm. you might think that the upholder is motivated and the obliger is lazy. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So it's just that the upholder always needs external accountability for anything they want to do. So it, when they have an internal goal, they need to find a way to make it external. Oops, sorry. Um, they need to find a way to make it external in order to be successful. Mm. And even if that's like a self-care goal, they might have a self-care goal, but they might need to text a friend to say that they are going to bed early or whatever it is, right? They might need some kind of accountability partner. Accountability partners are great for obligers. Yes. Whereas some other tendencies like might not want them, Mm -hmm. you know, and a polar doesn't need an accountability partner. (laughs) A questioner needs to have a really good reason to have one. (laughs) Yes. Uh, An obliger definitely wants one and a rebel wants nothing to do with that. Yeah, for sure. And I like that um, with, nope, not that I like it. What am I saying? What am I thinking? (laughs) I forget. Um, Is it back to like the unmotivated label or? No, I think like as coaches, like Mm. a lot of our clients are obligers because again, they're looking for that accountability friend. Right. Mm-hmm. And even like personal trainers. Yep. Accountability partners. Totally. Right? Like yeah. they are the ones that are going to push you. Like yeah. check. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, and knowing the tendencies too is great for like teaching for yeah clients. If you know that you have a client who's an upholder or if you know if you have a client that's a rebel, like you might actually need to change your communication a little bit, knowing how somebody's going to respond to an expectation that comes from you because it's outer. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So how would an obliger feel about New Year's resolutions? Um, they probably don't make them anymore because they've tried and failed so many times in the past. Oh, that right? sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. there's probably a great majority of people who are like, nope, they don't work. That's mm-hmm. why. Um, and I think that's kind of a common thought that everyone's like, well, New Year's resolutions don't work. And that's probably because we're, <laughs> the majority of people are obligers. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes um, people might, again, you might call them a people pleaser or mm. they never make time for themselves or like it kind of becomes a value judgment. Like, oh, you don't know how to take care of yourself. Mm. But that's like, and that's kind of not fair. It's let's, it's kind of nice to uh, um, make it a little more objective to say, no, no, no. This is about how you respond to an outer expectation. Mm-hmm. Right. It makes it feel so much softer and yes. more compassionate towards yeah. just yourself even. Right. Cause I yeah. feel like we're so hard on ourselves when it comes yeah. to habits because mm-hmm. we'll try something, fail, and then use it as evidence as to yeah. why we suck or why mm-hmm. we're a failure instead of, yeah just failing and picking something new, which I think is also interesting because like in um, Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, she has like a bunch of her own um, habits that she's done. And even again in Four Tendencies, she'll lay out like questions or ways to start a habit, but then they fit with multiple tendencies like this isn't just for questioners or just for the obliger like it can fit in so many of the pockets which is helpful right I think yeah some some of the inspiring like coaches and influencers sometimes those people well some people that I know I look at them and I'm like oh you're an upholder Mm. you know and it's really it's helpful to know that I can't just copy them necessarily. Mm -hmm. I can't do it in the same way and have the same results because, because I'm different. And I think there is, there's a special kind of, I think, suffering from wishing someone could be different. And especially Mm -hmm. when that someone is you, Mm -hmm. right? When you're like, why can't I just do this? Why can't I just buckle down and do the thing? And, you know, for you and I as questioners, we might, we might need to research something or we might need to, whatever it is, knowing that we need our questions answered. And then we actually are able to move forward more. And for an obliger to say, okay, I need some outer accountability and then I will be able to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So it just helps us to not be wish that we were different than we were. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. Well, last but not, not least, we have Rebel, Rebel Friends. Yes. <laughs> I so love Rebels. Yeah. Re- for the Rebel one. Um, there's so many good ones, but yeah. I like, you can't make me and neither can I. Yeah. <laughs> that one makes me laugh so hard. And I, yeah. again, can picture so many children in my brain. (laughs) Right. And I think there, you know, there are plenty of people who resist outer expectations. And, uh, and this is where sometimes um, questioners and rebels can appear similar because they both resist outer expectations. You might think they're the same, but they have different reasons, right? A questioner Mm -hmm. wants to know why, and a rebel just doesn't want to be restricted. Mm -hmm. So, um, Yeah. So they resist both outer and inner expectations, meaning they don't like anyone to give them rules. And even if they make their own resolution, they're like, Hey, I want to do this because I want to. And then tomorrow they're like, eh, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. The other quote, which I love. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard when I have to, and so easy when I want to. Mm. (laughs) Like Mm. it's yeah. So knowing that I feel like this tendency is harder because like, I don't know what they want. I don't know what works for them. Yeah. Do, do they, is it because they also don't know? Like what, how, how, how can we help rebels? Yeah. <laughs> how can I be a rebel? And yeah. also my partner's a rebel. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, they have great strengths too, right? They're really independent mm -hmm. minded. They can think outside of the box. Like having someone who says, well, why do we do it that way? It's actually really great. Right? Mm -hmm. That's great for an organization to have someone who thinks like that. And it can also be irritating for a manager to deal with. Definitely. Um, and they're kind of unswayed by conventional wisdom, you know, just because somebody else has already always done something a certain way. The other thing is it, it doesn't, um, when we think of rebels, we don't have to think of like uh, gang members or, uh, you know, motorcyclist or I don't know like just to, to it's not Rebel that kind of cause. stereotype yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't have to be like that stereotype what I want to say is rebels are not jerks mm. okay they're not necessarily like you know talking back or whatever they just resist so there might be people who uh can come across as passive aggressive mm. um and not that they all are that way, but it shows up in different ways. They're not necessarily all loud mouths. They may not, you know, some of them might be kind of the class clown, but not always, not always. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes they have trouble like accomplishing tasks that need to be done consistently in the same way. And they don't think the rules apply to them and all of that. Um, how do we, yeah. One of the questions is I think with, for tendencies in general. It's like, how do I get someone to do what I want? <laughs> including me, including mm -hmm. me, right? Yes. Um, so a rebel always wants to think that it is their choice and they pay, place a high value on freedom and choice and authenticity. So it's really important uh, usually when you are you know, giving an option to give like information, consequences and choice. Mm. Um, and then let them make the choice rather than saying you have to do this. Ooh, right. I like that information, consequence, choice. Yeah. So, um, like, and sometimes for example, rebels have problems even dealing with their doctors. If their doctors are like, you have got to lose weight because of this. And if you don't, you're going to die. But if the doctor's saying you have to, they're like, nope. Right. So a doctor might say, um, I'm pulling this from from the workbook here or from, from the facilitator book. Um, research shows that exercise really benefits people over the age of 60. People who exercise are less likely to be dependent on others in their daily lives. They're able to travel. They're less likely to suffer debilitating falls and pain. If you're interested, here are some ideas that might appeal to you. Some ideas for exercise. So letting mm. them choose. Yeah. Not saying you have to do it this way. I think in, I don't know if it's in the book or in one of the podcasts I heard where um, someone realized that their dad was a rebel and their mm. doctor had been exactly the situation. The doctor had said, okay, you have to lose weight. You have diabetes. You have to do this because you're going to have problems. And um, they went into the doctor. The daughter went in with a doctor and the dad was like, well, should I take that medication? And the daughter was like, eh you know, didn't really respond. And I was like, what, do you want me to die? And yeah. she just didn't really say anything, but he took the medication <laughs> exactly. because it was his choice. Yeah. Um, so it's so interesting. There's so, there are a lot of like implications, right? If a doctor knows what tendency their patients are, they can give advice in a particular mm -hmm. way, you know? So there's yeah, all these found it super helpful. So interesting that in the book she has um, it broken down with like how to deal with a rebel in work, yeah. as a yeah. spouse, as a yeah. child, as a healthcare client, mm -hmm. and then even as a rebel, how do I choose a career? So if yeah. you're interested in this information, know that this book, oh my God, even though yeah. we didn't fully finish it, still changed our lives. <laughs> No, I finished this one. I didn't finish the oh, happiness okay. project. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Fair. My bad, my bad. Um, so which tendency is your partner? My partner's an obliger. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So how does that show up in your relationship? Um, it, it was interesting when I, I made him do the quiz, and it helped me kind of understand some things where um, – like I had this idea, like, why doesn't he just do this for himself? Mm. Right. Mm. Why can't you like, and this is where our value judgments can come in, right. To say, well, why can't you just, um, 
care about yourself enough to make this choice or this choice. Like, why should I have to tell you or blah, blah, blah. And then I realized like, oh, he actually can't. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I'm trying to think about like outer accountability that might work for him. That's not me because he doesn't mm. respond well to that. Also obligers, sometimes um, they do not respond. Some obligers do not respond to family as outer expectation. They, they okay. respond to them as inner, right? So mm. they don't meet expectations of their family because it feels like an inner expectation. Whereas they might, so it, and it, it depends on the obliger. Yeah. Um, but so for me to have, have that expectation of him being able to do something just because he wants to, that isn't necessarily going to work. Right. Yeah. But then the challenge for me was, I was like, well, why should I figure this out? Why is it my fault? Is why is it my responsibility? <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how does that show up for you guys? It was funny because I, now that like, I love exactly what you said, like info, consequence, choice, right? Yeah. And I realized that's exactly like how I would set things up before I understood completely that he was a rebel. Um, same thing. I would feel frustrated and not really sure why like yeah. responding in a certain way. But um, it was because like I was putting my expectation out there and because like that's out in the universe, it's like, oh, hell no. A hell right. no. Right. And so that's where it would come up. And so yeah. once I, even like trying to present the quiz to him, it's like, oh, my information. Like, it's really interesting to know this about me. Like, I wonder what you were. So like then we could um, work on our communication and figure out like how we can deal. And then I just left the book on the table. Yeah. Like you can do this or not. Yeah. But (laughs) this is here for you. And then like a few days later I came back and like his answers were filled out. Like he didn't even check what his answers were either. He just like did it and then left it. That's funny. There's a, that's the rebel. He's like, I did it, but I'm not going to finish. Yeah. I'm doing this for you, but like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. And, and one of the keys is to like, when you give an expectation to a rebel, you are igniting their resistance. Exactly. Right. So it's super helpful for you to know that, right. If you Mm -hmm. if you just keep thinking, well, why can't you just listen to me? that's actually not going to help you in the end. Mm-hmm. But knowing that saying you have to do this is going to blow up in your face is actually very helpful information. Definitely. Again, like if I want him to bring home cheese, <laughs> I'm going to have to suggest it maybe a couple <laughs> days before, make it yeah. him think it's his idea, yep. and then he'll bring home cheese. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I yeah. think, um, so I talk a lot about the platinum rule. Yeah. Went to church, you know, the golden rule. Yeah. Okay. So what, yeah. Tell me about the platinum rule. So golden rule, treat others how they want to be treated where the platinum rule is treat others how they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So again, knowing that my partner or even my child is a rebel, knowing that I'm a questioner, I'm not going to treat them as a questioner because they will not respond well. Yeah. Right. So treating them as a rebel in presenting in information in a way that they can process it yeah and understand it and then make decisions like that's mm-hmm. where i want my clients my family like people to operate from yeah 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 and rebels can do anything they want to do mm-hmm. so it's all about tapping into the desire that they have and sometimes it's an identity thing too so there might be people who have to do disciplined things Mm. Um, where they say, okay, I, if they're trying to write a book or something, okay, I don't like sitting down at my desk every day, but I'm a writer Mm. and I want to get my ideas out into the world and this is what I want and therefore I'll do it. So it doesn't mean that, that rebels can't have discipline. They just kind of have to tap into, um, maybe different, different reasoning to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> and it's cool. Cause like with the tendencies, like there's no 
better one than another one. Again, like they all interweave with one another and it's just a lens to help you really understand like what you need again to meet accountability or to meet, right? Or to like, to do the things that we want to do. Expectations. Expectations is the word you're looking for, I think. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like rebels struggle to do the things they want to do. So they also have to find ways to do it too. So they, they have a similar struggle to obligers in some way, even though they, their actions might not look the same, but they struggle to do the things that they want to do, their inner expectations. Yeah. All right. Well, if you, Karen Stiles could jump in a time machine and go back to a younger version of yourself, just to Mm -hmm. bestow a piece of wisdom doesn't have to be about habits. It can be about anything yeah. in your life. What would you tell young Karen? How old would you visit? Which, yeah, how old? Oh, that's a great question. Um, okay, the thing that's just coming into my mind is uh, I would probably go back to my 14-year-old self and say it's okay to want big things for yourself and it's okay to tell people about that. You don't have to keep your desires hidden. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, and this, came back, uh, this came back around for me really interestingly. I'll try not to make this story too long, but uh, earlier this year, okay, when I was like 13, 14, 15-ish, I loved 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 Celine Dion like absolutely my idol I even like cut my hair short do you remember when she had her hair cut short with the little curl in front of the other totally tried to do all that um I have that's the picture I want oh I gotta find that picture I don't know I don't know where that is I will have to find it um but also because of like I kind of lived in a, you know, conservative religious family. I wasn't allowed to listen to that kind of music, mm-hmm. secular music. It wasn't church music, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of these things that I really wanted or that I felt so deeply, I had to keep hidden. And so this year in January, I got to see Celine in concert for the first time. And I like bawled my eyes out. Oh my God, a bunch how of times. special. And I really felt like I was healing something in terms of like, and you know how when you're 14 and you just love something so purely, you know, and as a 40 year old woman, I could probably critique the show and say, well, this didn't happen. She didn't set up nothing. But as a four, I tried to really tap in to that 14 year old who loved her completely and didn't question it at all. Mm. Like there's something so pure about how you just love something so much when you're a teenager. And, um, and I think like I connected that back to maybe I had been holding myself back in some ways and thinking that I'm not allowed to have what I want. Mm. I think that was a limiting belief that I realized. And to say, that's not true anymore. Kind of like coming back to that 14 year old self and saying, you can want things and you can have them and, and you can, put your desires out in the open. So I guess that's 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 what I would tell myself. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because I feel that so many of our kids need to hear that message anyways. So I appreciate you saying that here. Mm. Sorry, someone work is messaging me for some weird reason. Okay. Um, (sighs) Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. We have two more things, and that is that. Mm-hmm. Can this is your space for your mm-hmm. own big kid shout out? So, just someone that you want to give out and send out love to for probably being an amazing human. Mm-hmm. This, okay, the one person that I want to shout out to, and this might be weird, but my friend Ruby, I actually, and I actually uh, lost her five and a half mm. years ago, suddenly. 
Um, but she was someone who, she was kind of between the ages of my parents and me, like she would have kind of be, been in between that generation. So she was a bit older than me, but like she was aunt. someone who, like an aunt age. And so she knew me from when I was a baby. And then she and I went through a bunch of dramatic life circumstances and came together in our life. And we had gone through some dark stuff and understood each other completely. And she was someone who I feel like kind of saved me in a way, not saved me, but like when you, when you have someone who gets you, when you're going through difficult stuff and you don't have to explain it, because when you're going through difficult stuff and having to explain it to people who don't get it, that's tough. Mm -hmm. So having her in my life made a huge difference at a particular moment. And I am forever grateful to her. And, um, and I keep thinking of her a lot still. Mm. And my, I, I have a tattoo of well, her baby on my wrist. For. Yeah. Mm. To kind of, so I can kind of keep her close to my heart and that's what that's for. Mm. But um, I think yeah, when you asked about who do I want to shout out, it's Ruby, because she definitely made a huge impact on my life. And I kind of, I wish, I but I guess she can see what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, I, I wish she could have been a part of it. She is a part of it. But, you know, so that's who I shout out, Ruby. She'd yeah. be so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> and it's interesting Oh, I always say that word, but this time I mean it for real because my aunt, yeah, is she my aunt? She's my cousin, basically yeah. my aunt. Her yeah. name is Ruby and Sam. Uh, okay. And like we, again, like we had, I had like a strange relationship with my family and I was the rebel, rebel child and oh, everything. Me too. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she was doing her thing and like she came back and was like I wish I knew this was going on for you like I would have like I don't know there was just like so much stuff and again like we came to an understanding and an appreciation for each other that wasn't there before like obviously there was already love and respect there because we're family yeah. but yeah to get to know each other as adults was yeah uh, very healing I think for both of us so mm -hmm. I love that we both have amazing rubies. rubies in our yeah, life. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. All right. Well, Karen, that brings us to almost our very last thing. I want mm -hmm. to know right now for you as a big kid, mm. what lights up Karen Styles? The thing that really lights me up is having, <laughs> it's the simplest thing, but also the most magical thing, which is like mm. having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and I think there's just a special kind of magic that happens there and that's why I'm a coach <laughs> preach <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and and just I don't know to to sit across from someone and I love to help people uncover themselves Mm -hmm. you know and and that's why I do the work I do and I talk a lot about you know career advice and getting the words right um and and stuff like that but I think a big part of it is knowing yourself this is a this is a tagline that's been in my mind mm -hmm. so that might come this might come out in my marketing later but like to know yourself before you show yourself Ooh, that it's the first Ooh. Step. <laughs> I like that yes you have to include yeah it. yeah and that's whether you are you know, making a career change or whether you are, you know, doing something in your business, but digging deep into yourself and knowing yourself before you show yourself, because that makes a big difference mm -hmm. in the words that you use, um, finding out who you are and then going and talking about it. And that's what I love. So that's, that's what lights me up. And that's, uh, that's kind of, that's probably partly why my company is flow and fire, you know, the fire is the spark and the thing that draws people to you. And um, the flow is, you know, getting in that space of doing the work that you love, but also the fire is standing up and being seen and having people drawn to that special thing that you do. So, you know, one of the thing, one of the other things I'm really passionate about is like how people are in their workplaces Mm -hmm. And I don't know, to put that out there for if people want to do the workshop, if they want to have me come in and facilitate 
a four tendencies workshop in their workplace. Um, because, you know, it's fun to do something different with your coworkers. And I think it can help people understand each other and work together better. Definitely. So, um, if there's anybody that's interested in that, I like, you know, reach out to me because I would love to do that. And, and I can do that virtually too. So. Awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you. And like I said, all of your um, information will be linked in the show notes, but where yeah. online do you spend most of your time? Where can people uh, reach out? They can find me. I, I'm probably mostly on Instagram, flow and fire. So all spelled out. Uh, flow and fire. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. If you're looking for career stuff, just look up Karen styles. And if you send me a, if you want to connect, just let me know that you heard me on this podcast. And then my website is flowandfire.com. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for having me, KDC. This was awesome. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Bye, Bye friend. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Big Kid. As you travel through the world this week, remember, kindness drives change. And we're all on a journey. And the best part is that we're not alone. Sign up for the newsletter to get my formula to add more mindfulness into your day. And every month, I send out a guidebook that helps you shift from your surviving habits to thriving ones. Join the Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at BigKidPod, where the conversations live on. You can even leave me a good old-fashioned voice message over in the show notes at kdccoaching.com. Sending you so much Filipino-Canadian love. Talk to you soon.